When your mind wanders to Greece, you undoubtedly think of her rugged mountains, forests, and lakes, of her islands dotting the Blue Aegean Sea to the east, the Mediterranean Sea to the south, and the Ionian Sea to the west. I'm sure you think of Mount Olympus, home to the mighty gods that ruled and tormented men for thousands of years. But have you ever wondered whether you would be considered beautiful in ancient Greece? Let's find out. Are you ready? Welcome to a brand new episode of Beauty Unlocked, the podcast. If you're new to Beauty Unlocked, I'm Carissa, host of this circus. Welcome, friends. If you've been a long-time listener, you know all about the shenanigans and utter fuckery that is Beauty Unlocked. <laughs> Are you ready? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Beauty Unlocked. I'm Carissa. I'm sure that many of you are well aware of that. <laughs> How's it going, my loves? I hope everyone is doing well. And I hope you're ready for the full moon happening on Friday when this episode drops, known as the Buck Moon. Now, why is it referred to or called the Buck Moon? And I'm glad you asked because... It's reflecting the time of year when new antlers begin to grow on the head of bucks. So the full buck moon on Friday is in Aquarius. So buckle up, my love buckets. You're probably already feeling the effects of this buck moon. Before we get into this juicy episode, we'll do some cleaning. As you know, I am obsessed with cleaning. So I hope you enjoyed last week's episode where we looked at Jessica DeFino's article where she gets real and talks about how white supremacy and capitalism influence beauty standards. So you can follow Jessica DeFino on Instagram at Jessica DeFino underscore. And also don't forget to give us a follow at beauty underscore unlocked underscore podcast. We will be eternally grateful also, just a heads up, I'll be making a slight change on YouTube. I won't be releasing every audio episode. I'll be releasing short audio snippets of the episode, and then I'll post links to where you can catch the full episode. Um, when I'll be doing guest interviews or having the daughter of Lilith come onto the show and co-host, because obviously, you know, we're going to have the daughter of Lilith back. We love her. I mean, obviously, she's my soulmate. She probably doesn't know that, so shh, keep it a secret. That sounded a bit creepy. <clears throat> Onwards with the little changes on YouTube. So when I'll have the Daughter of Lilith on as a co-host, or I'll be hosting guest interviews, or I'll be a guest on other podcasts, I'll be releasing those episodes. But for the regular, regular episodes, that sounds so weird, um, I will 
be just releasing the audio snippets and the bonus episodes. I'll try to release the full episode. I'm not too sure how it will work with the bonus episode, but that's because the next few months, so let's say from August until October, it's going to be hardcore going at it, creating a lot of content, and it's just, it's going to be too much for me to handle because don't forget, it is a one-woman podcast. It's me, myself, and I. We take up a lot of space and we're unapologetic for it, but it's just a lot and I don't want to spread myself thin. I want to bring the best of the best to you guys. Like, come on now. All right, so we're done with the cleaning. I tried to do it as fast as possible, as quick as possible, because we are jumping into this article right now. All right, so the article that I'm going through today, um, entitled, Would You Be Considered Beautiful in Ancient Greece? I found this on GreekReporter.com, and it was written by Anna Wichman uh, in June 24th of this year. So not an old article, because there's some articles from the previous episodes that have been like 7, 8, 10 years old. But this one is quite recent. So we're going to be traveling back in time for this episode, and I'll be throwing in a bit of like geography, a bit of history, obviously the article. I'll be making commentaries along the way because, you know, it is Beauty Unlocked and we're all about the history, anthropological, geographical view on things, right? (laughs) So here we go. Beauty was extremely important to ancient Greece, both for men and women. But who exactly was considered beautiful in ancient Greece? Were their beauty standards much different from our own? <laughs> Sorry, I have, I'm having flashbacks of last week's episode, and I'm like, mm, uh, mm. So, the countless works of art depicting the human form and philosophical tre- treatises on the nature of beauty from antiquity attest to the fact that beauty was indeed much prized in ancient Greece. In fact, Ancient Greeks believed that physical beauty had a direct correlation with internal beauty. (laughs) Okay. So what does that mean? It means that good-looking people were also morally good. That's very questionable. While those deemed, and I say this in air quotes, ugly were lacking character. Interesting. And we've mentioned this in our first episode ever of Beauty Unlocked back in February 22nd or on February 22nd of 2020, where we did an episode called What the Fuck Ancient Greece. On with the article. Ancient Greeks who were beautiful, particularly men, were often described as kalos kagathos, an adjective that combines kalos, meaning beautiful or handsome, and agathos, which means virtuous or good. This concept is complicated when it comes to female beauty, however. Women who were stunningly beautiful, and even women generally, were often either bad figures or at best morally ambiguous ones in Greek mythology and literature. I think we know why. It's a a male-dominated society, hence their sexist, misogynistic views on women. The most beautiful woman in the world, Helen of Troy, is the perfect example of this phenomenon. While scholars may argue the extent to which Helen was a willing participant in leaving her husband Menelaus for Paris, an act which caused the Trojan War, there is little doubt that she was not a beloved figure in ancient literature. It seems that beautiful women were doomed from the start. Hesiod, an ancient Greek poet who was a contemporary of Homer, described the first woman as kalon kakon, or the beautiful evil thing, thing, like what the fuck, in his work. 
theogony, which describes the origins of the Greek gods. The nature of beauty was a topic of great debate in ancient Greece, because apparently they had nothing else to do. Philosophers, mathematicians, and artists in antiquity explored the topic endlessly. Now, it's not much different today, that's for sure. Unibrows and the quest for symmetry in ancient Greece. So in the first episode, we did mention the mathematician Pythagoras and that he developed the golden ratio. So what is the golden ratio? Golden ratio is a geometrical formula that linked balance and symmetry to beauty. And not just amongst humans, but in everything. According to this ratio, symmetrical faces are the most beautiful. So this devotion to symmetry even extended to eyebrows. In ancient Greece, those with eyebrows that joined in the middle, in a so-called unibrow, were considered more symmetrical and therefore more beautiful. So I'm not too sure. This is where the whole (laughs) geography comes in and stuff like that. I'm not too sure if um, you're aware, but the Mediterranean Basin and what what is considered the Mediterranean Basin. The Mediterranean Basin includes Portugal, Spain, you know, the southern part of France, Italy, Greece, Cyprus, Malta, Turkey, Syria, Lebanon, Palestine, the northern part of like Egypt, Libya, Tunisia, Algeria, Morocco, the Canary Islands, the Azores, uh, Madeira, and Cap Verde. This is known as the Mediterranean Basin. Um, It's, you know, the countries that... The countries and the islands that, uh, well, I forgot to put Sicily in there. But anyway, you get the point. Um, That kind of circle the Mediterranean Sea, right? So in this region, this part of the world, uh, I am half Cypriot, um, we are known to have, many of us have this very strong, we have, um, you can tell us (laughs) that we have some kind of Mediterranean origin by our eyebrows. They're thick, they're bushy, and a lot of times they form a unibrow. I don't have a unibrow anymore because I wax my eyebrows. Um, That sounds weird. I don't wax all my eyebrows, but I wax, you know, my eyebrows to give them shape. Otherwise, it's just a lot to take care of. (laughs) Um, But I used to have a unibrow when I was much, much younger. Um, And also my sisters and my dad and my uncle and most of my, you know, ancestors as well because we come from this area i assume um but yeah so does that mean that we were all considered beautiful do you know what i'm apart from the women because apparently we were (laughs) morally ambiguous (laughs) in in ancient greece but that means that pretty much much of the most of the population that was from from this part of the world this mediterranean basin would be considered beautiful if you're 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 talking about eyebrow wise right so those who did not already have a unibrow were known to use coal or black shadow-like eyeliner, eyeliner sorry, to fill in the space between their eyebrows. Women in ancient Greece would also use this to line their eyes and darken their eyelashes. Look at this, seriously, already even back in antiquity, we would try to adhere to them beauty standards. Mm, not much has changed in thousands of years. While many beauty standards from the past are not appealing to our contemporary sensibilities, our contemporary sensibilities? You mean the tools of oppression that reinforce racism, sexism, colorism, classism, ableism, ageism, and gender norms? Our white supremacist contemporary sensibilities? Our views on beauty standards? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, you're right. There are some that indeed are. According to Pythagoras's golden ratio, the supermodel Bella Hadid is the most beautiful woman on earth, even without a unibrow. Pythagoras may have had a point. Neurological and 
Psychological testing has shown that humans do tend to prefer faces that are symmetrical, but not unnaturally so. That is... Okay. You know, I don't even know what to say. (laughs) So you're probably asking yourself right now, what were a male beauty standards in ancient Greece? Well, I'll tell you right now. Much like today, beauty pageants, or kalestia, were popular in ancient Greece. In antiquity, however, many were reserved for men. It's not really surprising. However, on the islands of Lesbos, ooh, Lesbos, Sappho of Lesbos, sorry, and Tenedos, there are records of beauty pageants in which women participated. They were so important that they were often linked to the Olympic Games, either taking place around the same time or at the same venue. Male beauty was focused on the body. Athletic physiques with rounded, firm muscles and little fat were considered most attractive. Men with reddish, blonde hair, full lips, and glistening tans were considered to be the most beautiful in ancient Greece. It sounds like you're describing what we call today a Greek god. So just a side note, a little bit of history. I mean, this is a whole bunch of history, but uh, a little bit of history. What is considered, or what was considered ancient Greece is not what it is today. Today, we have a unified Greece. Back in the day, and we're talking about antiquity here, um, ancient Greece was divided into city-states, and there were many city-states, but um, ancient Greece had one language and culture, and it wasn't unified until 337 BC, and this is when Macedonia defeated Athens and Thebes. Now, Athens and Thebes were considered one of the five, or were considered to be two out of the five most powerful city-states. So, like I said, there were numerous city-states, and the five most powerful ones and influential ones were Athens, Sparta, Corinth, Thebes, and Delphi. We know things like the Oracle of Delphi. Sparta was known, well, if you remember the movie... Uh, 300 with Gerard Butler playing King Leonidas, a moment of recognition (laughs) for Gerard Butler (laughs) in 300, and Athens, which is currently the capital of Greece. I just felt like I had to put this in there because when we picture Greece, we always think, or even, you know, uh, Greece in antiquity, we're always thinking that Greece was a unified country but it wasn't it wasn't until like i mentioned before 337 bc so just just wanted just a little bit of history just to to you know if you didn't know maybe you do i mean you know but i just wanted to put it out there on with the article big butts were sought after in ancient greece in ancient greece a corpulent behind on both men and women was prized the famed Aphrodite Kalipigos, literally translating to Aphrodite of the beautiful buttocks, shows the goddess, although some argue it could be a mortal woman, showing off her rounded behind. So, side note, the mighty Aphrodite, her home when she came out of the frothy ocean was Cyprus, and thousands of pilgrims used to come and offer their thanks and their prayers to Aphrodite here in Cyprus. We have Aphrodite Sanctuary not too far away, and actually her home home was Paphos, uh, which is where I live. So we have the sanctuary of Aphrodite. We also have where Aphrodite used to bathe and just pass her days with her lover Ares while being married to Hephaestion. These these Greek myths, I'm telling you, they, they were juicy, salacious, 
um, very sexist. Um, it's not a fairy tale Greek mythology. Let me tell you, there's there's a lot going on, and it wasn't pretty most of the time because the gods would look upon men as their little playthings and would torment and torture and rape and drive them crazy. It was just, it's not pretty Greek mythology. I think a lot of people think that Greek mythology is is fairy tale-like. Um, and it wasn't. Although originally fairy tales were kind of scary and everything. But you know what I mean. It's not fairy tale-like. It's gruesome. It's gory. It's macabre. And it's just a lot. But in Cyprus, this is where, in Paphos, this is where Aphrodite, it was her home. I know you love these little tidbits that I'm throwing here and there, right? Because <laughs> we can't always just stay on, on topic, right? We gotta, we gotta divert <laughs> our attention. <laughs> so while some could say this mirrors our current Kardashian-inspired fixation with prodigious rumps, perfect female bodies in ancient Greece often came with more fat generally. Actually, in antiquity, it did. While today, women focus mainly on the buttocks and chest and hope that there is very little to be found anywhere else, ancient Greeks preferred curvaceous women with bellies and a nipped waist. This is exemplified by the countless depictions of Aphrodite, god, uh, goddess of love, with a distinct pouch of fat on her lower stomach and large hips that were not totally rounded. Until very recently, having extra fat was considered extremely attractive on a woman, as it served as an indication of her class, and also if she could bear children. All right. Women who were thin were likely slaves or laborers who engaged in physical labor all day and could not afford to eat sufficiently. Fair skin was the beauty standard in ancient Greece. Similarly, pale skin was sought after in ancient Greece, a beauty standard that may seem unattainable and much different than our current fixation with glowing tan skin. Depending, I mean, when you look at the after effects of colonialism in certain countries... But anyway, in a country known for its intense heat and many sunny days, one could easily assume that staying pale was difficult for ancient Greek women, especially considering that those with Mediterranean complexions tan very easily. However, women, save for slaves and those of the lower classes, were largely restricted to the home, particularly in Athens. Let me just add, where they had no rights. Many of them could only leave the house on the event of special festivals or other important events. Slaves and lower-class women could leave the house much more freely, so they were often tan. Otherwise, females were stuck at home, meaning that they came in little contact with the sun. Naturally, this led to pale skin, but it also caused a sallow, unhealthy appearance as well. There are countless ancient texts advising women to don powdery white makeup, which was largely lead-based, on their skin to maintain a pale complexion while covering any blemishes. In the ancient world, as a matter of fact, lead was one of the most widely used substances in makeup. Known today to cause severe developmental delays in fertility and dementia, it was used in a paste form, much like today's foundation, to whiten the complexion and make a woman look more youthful. They often used blush and lipstick made of natural sources like beets and berries to add a flush of color to their faces. Golden red hair considered the most beautiful. Frequently, the most sought-after traits are those that are least common, in ancient Greece, blue eyes and reddish-blonde hair were considered extremely beautiful. Considering that modern Greeks share a great genetic similarity to the Greeks of antiquity, it is safe to assume that the ancients resembled contemporary inhabitants of the country, where blue eyes and light hair are still uncommon. Even heroes were given this distinction, relating to the idea that physical beauty related to inner goodness in ancient Greece. The Mycenaean king, Menelaus, an internal figure in the Trojan War, was described as red-haired in the Odyssey. 
His wife, Helen of Troy, considered the most beautiful woman in the world, was fair, with long, golden red hair and blue eyes, according to the ancient Greek poets. Some scholars have posited that the descriptor of blondish red or reddish blonde hair may not refer to the strawberry blonde hue that we think of today. Rather, it may refer to a light brown color that glimmers golden red in the Mediterranean sunlight. Very interesting. Didn't think about it that way. Women wore long wigs, conditioned their hair and skin with olive oil, something that's still wildly used today. In terms of hairstyles, Greek women of the upper classes wore their hair long, often braided and coiffed into intricate styles. If they did not have long, thick hair, women in antiquity often wore wigs. Slave women and women of the lower classes were not permitted to have long hair and often had their hair cut very short. Ancient Greek women used olive oil to condition their hair and skin, like I said, something that's still done today, but of course this was only used by women who could afford it. Because olive oil was a gift from the gods. While blue eyes were particularly rare and prized in ancient Greece, so were big brown eyes with long, dark eyelashes. In Homer's Iliad, Hera is described as cow-eyed, the fuck? An epithet that may seem insulting today, but was highly uh, complimentary in antiquity. It referred to those large, round brown eyes with rows of thick eyelashes that are more common than a blue eye, yet were just as striking in ancient Greece. So we have come to the end of the article written by Anna Wichman, uh, Would You Be Considered Beautiful in Ancient Greece? A very insightful article. And what I enjoyed about this article is the breakdown of things um, where it describes, you know, uh, what was considered beautiful back in ancient Greece. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode and let me know send me an email or slide into my dms i am asking you to slide into my dms so it's all good you can um you can slide into my dms on beauty underscore unlocked underscore podcast and let me know and also uh send me an email forgot it's beauty unlocked podcast at gmail.com and let me know if you would like me if you would like me to actually look for more articles like this for different countries what would be considered you know beautiful in ancient times if you would want then i will you know um start researching for you uh because you know beauty unlock unlocked i wanted to cater to all of you and um so send me send me your, your opinions let me know if you would like me to do that if for future episodes and yeah with all that being said i hope you all have a lovely, relaxing, safe weekend. I hope this full moon or buck moon, you're not going too crazy with it. And you will hear from me very, very soon. Bye! Make it clap, clap, Make it clap, clap, Make it clap, 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 clap.